Hey guys, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. Austin Nasso here. This is episode 27. In this episode, I interview my good friend Jesse Warren, and we talk about self-help books and how they've impacted our lives and our comedy. Jesse is a really good friend of mine, and he is a producer in Seattle. He makes the show Off the Top, an improvised stand-up show based off of slides. Uh, It's super fun. Uh, Jesse's also a former engineer and bodybuilder. He's really cool, and uh, this is a pretty silly and fun interview, so I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. And we are live. It's not live. Right? No, it's not live. Uh. I meant we're recording. So um, <laughs> I'm here with Jesse Warren, my dear friend from the Seattle comedy scene. He has uh, he produces the show Off the Top every Thursday at the Pocket Theater at 8.30 p.m. He is a douchebag. Uh, he used to work in tech. I uh, worked at SpaceX, Microsoft. I feel like it doesn't fit the theme of the show that I just called you a douchebag. Um, whatever. Sorry, man. All right. <laughs> it's like well, coming from you, it's like endearing because that's how you self you you identify as well as a douche. I don't self identify as you a don't? douche. No. Oh. Um. So why we, okay. Yeah. He. You, just, you worked at he and now I'm transitioning to second person. You worked at <laughs> Microsoft, SpaceX, and what else? Is that it? Uh, and you lived in the Bay. The, no, and, the, yeah. The mo- a startup called Mindmeld was where I spent most of my time. Uh, AI startup. Okay. I got bought by Cisco. You're a software engineer, and uh, now you have been doing comedy full time. And by that I mean he allocates <laughs> his full time, his full free time to comedy yeah. and doesn't have a career in it. But you've been doing it for two years. Yeah. And you are trying to do it. I'm yeah. Trying to do it. Big. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying my best. Yeah. So cool. Thanks for uh, coming to. Parth's apartment as I'm visiting Seattle. Yeah, no, this is good, man. You Like you said, this is like the first time we've hung out um, as friends outside of comedy, but it's still really kind of within the context of comedy. Yeah, it's so, so related to comedy. We still haven't just hung. Yeah, we haven't just hung. Did people say that? <laughs> I don't know. Is that, this is like, I don't know, there's something weird about doing hanging out over a podcast. There's like this weird barrier in between us. I mean, like physically there is a mic in front of you that's on a think pad box and and, and a box of milk chocolate almonds and i'm holding a mic right now so it's like we just can't hang out without recording like, ourselves i feel like that's how like joe i feel like in my head joe rogan doesn't hang out with anybody but he just has three hour long conversations that are recorded yeah it's kind of weird i like it dude like in my head that's how I want my like my hangouts to be in the long term. Recorded so you can dude, go back and <laughs> revisit how, your hangouts like a fucking robot. Well, dude, I record conversations I have with my mom because I know someday she'll be gone. And, and I, you need I a recreator have, as artificial intelligence. Dude, no, I don't know, man. I, I'll record conversations with my parents and my little brother, and I won't even tell them I'm doing it, bro. Wait, that's actually weird. Why are you doing because that? Because it's, it's very morbid. No, well, you're thinking about how when they're gone, you're gonna have these wanted, like memories, yeah. like when you're in deep space and they passed away like 40 years yeah, ago. Dude. I don't know. I think it's good because I want to ha- capture those things. Otherwise, I'll just have like my best guess of who they were. Why don't you just like take pictures and videos at like family events like a normal person? I mean, I would, but can, can, do you think that nothing that, captures the essence like a voice? Like <laughs> nothing captures the essence uh, better than like you two talking alone, like when you think nobody's listening. Whereas when you're posing for a picture, there's something a little contrived. I don't know. If you actually do that, I think it's weird, and I truly I, don't I really. do do it, and that's fine if that's how you feel about it. <laughs> but I do do it. Really? What? Is that you think that was like a bit? I don't know. That could <laughs> I've been be doing a bit. that for years, dude. I don't know why. I, like. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> I think that's very weird. Um, anyway. <laughs> dude, what the fuck? Do you record our conversations? Uh, I mean, not hours, dude. If you die, that's, I mean, I'm not going to be like, this is, I, I'll just watch your YouTube channels. <laughs> so I remember you. Okay. All right, cool. I'll move past it. Um, anyway, so we're both, <laughs> we're both really into like, uh, 
entrepreneurialism and uh, how would that relates to comedy? I think I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. And, yeah. I just want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man. I mean, that's why I, I think we became friends just cause uh, we have similar backgrounds in, in that and similar interests and uh, we're not successful entrepreneurs by anybody's definition, but it's something that we've like grew up thinking about all the time. We we've, we've read the same books. Yeah. Um, so let's just um, like Tim set the, um, our, our backgrounds as we are not successful entrepreneurs, nor are we successful comedians, <laughs> but we want to talk about both and give you all advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't listen to any of it, but... No, I mean, we've done a lot of research that in theory would suggest that we have a good grasp <laughs> yeah. on things. Yeah. God, this is when everyone stops listening right here. No, we we can talk about it. I mean, I've actually done quite a few entrepreneurial things. I'm just Likewise. kidding. Likewise. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it's... My background's also in software engineering, by the way. And yeah. uh, for the... Have you not told listen, people that? I don't, I don't really talk like about it that like much. Or something? I, don't, I just don't talk about it. Um, but yeah, so my background, software engineering... I said computer science at UCLA and I um, am really passionate about comedy and uh, Jesse and I both also work out, which we like to, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're kind of like read similar books, like kind of what a lot of people would like criticize as self help type of books or uh, a lot of communications books, psychology books, leadership books, just books that, like make you a more wholesome person. And I actually think, by the way, I think the whole self-help genre is unfairly criticized. I definitely want to put out there that I think there are definitely a certain subset of people that are completely exploitative and like quote unquote motivational, like just annoying ass losers trying to sell you crap, like equivalent to like the annoyance of someone selling you like a timeshare and it has little value or it's just like a regurgitation of other uh, like communication fields mashed together and it's like turned into this pop garbage i think that's very popular and i've actually come across a ton of books like that but i definitely think there are certain uh other subset of books that are extremely valuable communication skills books that just teaches you how to deal with your own emotions teaches you how to like uh deal with other people and uh communicate effectively in ways that you don't necessarily learn in school and i mean it's I hard really to argue with a lot of these books because they're like they're just uh they're just citing studies. A lot of these books are just like making studies more digestible. Those are the types of books I like. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I found that like Malcolm Gladwell these, kind of yeah, thing. Well, these, well, yeah, kind of. He's he's, he's really kinda, pop. he's extreme pop. He's, he's kind of yeah, like he's kind of his reputation isn't yeah. that good. I think. But uh, but the, I I think that these are that these books shaped me more than like anything else. I've been reading them since I was like fourteen. Yeah. So how would you define the mindset that these books have instilled in you? Uh, the main takeaway for me is that uh, I uh, I read this book called Willpower. Just like the main the main takeaway for me is that like uh, I I don't think talent matters that much, and I think it's just about grit and your willingness to just like keep working more than more than other people, but working in a smart way. Um, and I think that people try to justify <coughs> uh, why they're they're uh, lazier or why they're not. I think people just need to work harder. I think that's the solution for most problems. I love the idea of grit because um, it's just like being resilient. Yeah. And like that's more valuable than talent. I, I mean, think so. talent's a huge part of the equation. Talent gets your foot in the door and then grit like gets you up the mountain or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. door to the mountain. <laughs> yeah. You open the door. And he... Dude, you just use two separate metaphors in the same. Yeah. Analogy. I mean, no sense together, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I love that. I mean, I actually started reading self-help books when I was maybe – 16 because i had no confidence mm -hmm. and like i just remember oh, dude, being in middle school and high school like confidence was like this elusive thing yeah. that i wanted i'm like what is confidence like yeah. what does it mean yeah. i don't know why i just thought it was like this thing that like i didn't have and i i knew i wanted I, I, I know it i didn't did you i didn't, didn't? Have it. i didn't have it i didn't have it at all i had no yeah. confidence now and that, dude, that reminds me how we got started i don't know how you guys started reading these books but i got started reading them well, that's what I, I was just saying. I was just saying how we got started. Because I wanted to talk to girls better, bro. I, I forgot about this. But, like, I started reading articles about, like, how to be more confident talking to women. And those articles would sometimes cite general self-help books. And that's how I got introduced. I didn't even know that that's how that happened until just now. 
Thank you for that revelation. Well, as I was saying, <laughs> I was had no confidence because I wanted to talk to girls. Hell yeah, dude. Because I just didn't have any confidence around girls and I was scared of them. Yeah. Like extremely, oh my God, the anxiety I would get when talking to a, a female person was very high. Well, do, like what are some, like, because when I, an example is like when I would be on the phone with a woman, I, like I would, I remember the first time. I was just, this girl was like, we should just talk on the phone sometime. I literally took out a piece of paper and I jotted down talking points in case the conversation went stale. Really? Yeah. I didn't do and that. I, that I, I don't even think I would, I couldn't even get them on the phone. <laughs> I wasn't at that level. I mean, this was me at a more advanced stage. <laughs> <laughs> of like being able to. Yeah. I was I, like a charmeleon at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I truly like, I, even, in, even in elementary school, I had a crush on this girl. For five years, I literally <laughs> for all for all of elementary school. Yeah, since kindergarten to fifth yeah. grade, you like the same girl. Yeah, fuck all of elementary school, and I just couldn't. Like there was never even acting upon that interest wasn't even an option. I didn't know oh, what to do. I was so yet. scared. Yeah, nothing. Like I couldn't even. I didn't get. I, I had a friend who would just like have girlfriend. Like how do you have girlfriends? Dude. Like I can't. I didn't know what and to do. And the people who would like hold hands in middle school and like kiss, I'd be like, what the fuck. Like, I, I, want, have. I want this, but it is in a world completely foreign to me. Me too. I just would imagine me holding hands with girls that yeah. I like, yeah. and I was so happy. And, and I remember I would try stuff that, like, was the wrong approach. In middle school, I remember trying to get really into clothes, because I thought that, that would, like, they would start a conversation. I never got into clothes, and you could probably tell based on my appearance <laughs> up until now. No, you, dude, you look good. I saw you on a Wednesday. I remember complimenting you. I was dressing you, and I was well. like, oh, you look hot today dude remember when i told you that dude people were telling me <laughs> recently <laughs> people have been I saying i look good this week. I, I remember looking at you on wednesday when you were seated at the back table at last and i do you remember this i go dude you look hot today <laughs> did you say that yeah I remember i was with those two girls and 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 then they corroborated my account of you looking hot oh they did do, yeah i that, didn't that was the thing that happened. i didn't have that i don't remember it yeah, but thanks. Well. No, it was it was actually very weird. I, honestly, I think it was a thing this week. I don't know what, but like many people complimented my shirts. <laughs> I, I had this one shirt, like literally an eleven dollars shirt with like flowers on it, and I think Is the if one you, you're wearing right now. No, it was a you different have one. Multiple. Shirts I have two. With I I just got two recently at uh, H and M. But it was an it's eleven dollar short sleeve button down shirt with flowers on it, like very cheap, like crappy shirt. But I think if you just wear something that's like slight like people's expectations are so low that if you wear something slightly interesting or that like portrays any like semblance of you having a personality yeah. um people are like whoa yeah yeah this is cool especially yeah, at work maybe because it was at work and i wore it oh dude it, you can do if you put minimal effort into how you dress <laughs> at microsoft or like any other tech company uh, if you don't want me to, you can edit out <laughs> saying where you work. I forgot you said you didn't want to say that. Uh, but if you put in any semblance of an effort at a tech company to dress well, dude, you are you're the you're the you're the talk of the town. You're the the bell of the ball. Red shoelaces. Yeah. <laughs> Fire. Shoelaces. Dude. But yeah, I don't know. Um, it's weird because I <laughs> I don't identify as an attractive person. <laughs> I don't know. Like, You're very traditionally attractive. I told you the the only thing you should change is you should fucking get your brows waxed, dude. They're literally out of control. I like them. They're I mean they're good, but you could tame them. Yeah, my facial hair is a lot. I mean my my eyebrows are large and um they're insane, bro. <laughs> my I, nose hairs are <laughs> sneaking out. <laughs> what is like basic Who is listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, this is about male grooming. Now. That's what we're going to um, talk about. But anyway, so what were we talking about? Oh, listening to self-help books and like the evolution of me, like somehow people are saying, "Oh, you look good," and like me not knowing how to take it now. But it, you have to take compliments. I would say that uh, in general, you have to accept them because it's a, a small thing, and pe people feel bad when you they give you a compliment and you don't accept it. It's a micro thing that yeah. will actually make someone feel bad if yeah. you're like, "No," even though you're maybe you're insecure. Yeah, it actually makes people Be feel bad. Be good at accepting compliments. That's a huge thing. Yeah. But anyway, what were you saying? Uh, that I think that it's not uncommon for people to want to get into comedy because they started by trying to impress girls. Comedy? Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about getting into self-help for that reason. Well, yeah, but we were talking, yeah. But I would say, like, it's it's in the same vein. Like I, I could remember. see that. That's definitely not why I got into comedy, though. 
Is that why you got into no, it? I there's a very specific. I started telling jokes in my frat, and then like I had a built-in audience there. I'm not in a frat, or I haven't been in a frat. Yeah, just for like, I feel you need to tell my audience but that. Like if we were to if if one of us were to have been in a frat, it would for sure have been you. What? Yeah. That's not true you at all. You seem like you were. You seem frat. way more fratty than me. No, dude. Like the way the way you act, your the way you carry yourself. Your vocal inflection and just kind of you're just generalizing the how I talk. In your voice, dude. That's just how I speak. The way you speak is crazy. You speak like a character. I've told you this before, but I remember the first time you talked to me, dude, at the Comedy Underground, and I was just like, oh, "Who's this guy, dude?" What do you, you were mean? like a cartoon to me. How? The way your voice sounds, like, I'm numb to it now, because we've talked a lot, but the way your voice sounds... Because I sound Californian or something? Yeah. Like, like Californian, bro. Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, like... Yeah. But you're like, doing an impression now, but that's how you actually sound. Oh, uh, <laughs> dude. Oh. Uh. And then I touch my sternum. I'm like, to feel my abs. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, getting into the self-help thing. I got in at early age, like you, for like, because I didn't have confidence talking to girls, and uh, it can usually go. I think that kind of is a <laughs> fine line that trajectory because you can either become like a total like misogynistic douchebag by reading like way too into it mm-hmm. and like taking it to the extreme of like um, extreme pickup, which oh, I yeah, I. Did I was really interested in like pickup and like yeah, all that stuff because yeah. like naturally yeah. I was in like high school and like early college so like I did I was really I thought it was interesting how people can just like go up to girls and talk to them and if you're doing it respectfully I, th- I think that's still fine as long oh, as you're not like inappropriate or a creep um, so I think that's cool but I can definitely see people uh, going not having confidence with talking to people and how that could lead to becoming a terrible person yeah um but i i'd like to think that i'm a well-balanced person now I, I and and empathetic to all people and not like that yeah i think that's just part of like getting into any domain it's like you kind of like the pendulum sw- you like you go a little too deep into it then you re- pull back and like find the amount that works for you yeah like we like i remember i thought it was so fascinating that like you could be a guy and you could just like walk up to a, a girl you've never met and then like you could get her phone number like that's now I remember that shocked me when I was very young, and that was very I thought at the time inspiring. Yeah, because it just what it does is, and I mean again, as long as you're doing it in like a, a respectful way, and you're like approaching someone that and like not someone who's like has headphones and clearly doesn't want to be bought. Like so, I don't know, it just depends. Yeah, I feel like that, this is all tacit. Like we, of course, it's implied, but I mean I feel like for a lot of people you have to you have to clarify what this means because it it does like people that don't understand where we're coming from might think it's weird um but yeah i was really inspired by that too i just thought it was cool it's a good just go up to people and just like talk to them and like it just breaks your paradigm of what's possible because you think like oh you well how do you go on dates you have to use an app or you like how do you ask like how when can you ask Mm -hmm. like how does that work it's a a language that you have to like learn how to speak Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, beyond just like uh, romantic endeavors, I think a lot of things I learned, like I said, are just communication skills stuff where I, I probably didn't have any good communication skills yeah. growing up. Like I didn't learn any good communication skills in my like environment growing up. No one really taught me how to act and like you just kind of learn that. I don't yeah. know how to explain it. I mean, I, was, I grew up in a bubble, bro. I don't know if that was the same growing up in Connecticut. Uh, but in in Bellevue, it was very much uh, I was very insulated, and my group of friends was very was very uh, uh, quiet. We grew up playing Yu-Gi-Oh, and that's all we did. We really? just got really good at the card game. I th- we had to, we had very similar experiences on the opposite side of the country. Dude, I was regional champion of the Northwest. You grew up in and Bellevue. I would travel around the country playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I grew up in also a upper middle class bubble with uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut, <laughs> which is like all wealthy, like finance, Wall Street people. My dad has an auto repair, by the way, but he, he does have his own business. So it's like still like a good thing. We're upper middle class for sure. Not extreme upper class, but um, there were definitely people that had their own hedge funds and stuff like that. Sure. 
it's weird. I like don't like talking about this stuff because like I I come from such. Uh, like I have to acknowledge it now, but like yeah, obviously I come from a very privileged background. Yeah. Well, I think, I think um, it's part I, of who I am. I just that's how I where I grew up. Yeah, I think it's good to acknowledge it, and I think it's weird because I feel the same thing. But I feel like it's wrong to feel shame for just like this thing that was out of control, out of our control. That's just like how you grew up. Yeah, but now I, it it just gets in my head like whenever I'm from talking to people or like maybe giving advice or whatever or communicating what i've learned uh i have to remember that it comes from my like background when sure. and I, have, I have a unique opportunity to do a lot of these things and think about a lot of these things sure. that not a lot of other people necessarily have yeah, i feel like i have to justify everything yeah but and i, I don't, mean I don't that's true feel the need to like people can still relate to it like i listen to a bunch of rap that i can't relate to dude oh like on uh on like the like the most concrete level i can't relate to like their the stuff they did but i relate to it on like a uh metaphorical level yeah Does that makes sense like i i still feel like it I just like inspires you yeah it's inspiring i find it inspiring but i don't have to have gone through the same thing yeah so that's cool that's kind of our background reading those books yeah. <laughs> i yeah. mean we didn't go into details about any specific books i can rattle off a few books that i found extremely impactful for my life oh yeah hey uh, let's see, let's both name like two or three books that we like liked in particular and like why yeah um so uh i i have a google drive of like a lot of the, those books that i read and the key takeaways that i learned from them um let me see if i have it right now i'll i'll rattle off a few and i'll say why it impacted me you can go first okay i'll, I'll pull this up real the, quick the most influential book i think i read <clears throat> was called the power of habit Did you ever read that one power of habit yeah. i think i have um, Sounds like an early one I read. Yeah, that was subtly very condescending. <laughs> it was very, that was very Sounds condescending. Like a, I think I read that in my pr primordial state. Oh, I did the same thing though. Man. I was my, definitely three. My no, friend was. My friend just told me that she was reading. That is a microaggression that now. I have committed. Have you heard about this book? Yeah, it's a more spiritual one. I like it. But that a was lot. the. F she was reading that now, and she's twenty-eight. And the first thing I said was, "Oh, I read that in the eighth grade." <laughs> It Dude, so it's weird. Like we have to be very mindful of uh, subtle things that we think to say that we're not even thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can come across. I, I'm now more than ever. Like, okay, clearly not. I clearly just did it. But I try to be really aware of when the way I communicate and how it affects other people. Wow, it's a, also like by the way, I'm like, oh, news flash. I'm being mindful of how I speak now. Everyone's like, I've done that my whole life. But yeah. I, I'm just someone who, who talks a lot naturally and I'm not naturally the best listener. Yeah, so, I've noticed that. Thanks. And I try to be mindful of what I'm saying and how that could be perceived by other people good. just because. The power of habit was good yeah, because I um, I, I've always felt like routine was really key to being productive and people like to shit on having a routine like people are like what are you boring you do the same thing every day dude i want to do the same thing every day it's how i'm most productive creative in comedy outside of comedy even when i work in tech that was how i was most productive and most happy i want to do the every same day. thing at the same time at the same every day that's yeah. an extreme take well, but sure. okay but this is so let me reel back now so i'll schedule in time where i do something out of the ordinary like once a week or something but for most days i want to do the same shit every day i think that's a good rule of thumb i mean okay i'm not gonna like i like i like waking up at the same time i like uh going to the gym and then having a smoothie the same smoothie every day so i don't have to think about like what do i want to eat for breakfast i have the same fucking smoothie and then i go go right why do you benefit from that because I, it's i'm essentially on autopilot with what I have to do so all my energy can be diverted to the actual thing I'm doing, right? If you have to think about, it's like the same reason Obama doesn't choose his outfits in the morning. It's just decision fatigue. No, I get that. I mean, a lot of really successful people will um, factor out small decisions, so yeah. it's just automatic and yeah. easy. You automate as much as you like. I'm very different. I mean, I definitely have a set like rhythm of things I have to do. Like I'm gonna kind of like prepare my day during this time or I'm going to work and then I'm going to do some comedy thing now. But it's definitely, I leave more leeway for flexibility. 
for sure because I Sir, think it's really yeah. important. I mean, this is I, I think I take a more extreme stance in this, but uh, it's just how I like working. Habits, I mean, uh, ha- having consistent habits are just a great way to have like consistent behaviors that are going to lead to success. So, however you want to do that, good habits are really valuable. Yeah. So what else? And small, small. What other books? Let's go back and forth. Okay. Um, this is a classic book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> okay. I mean, that was like one of the first ones I read. And uh, it's just like listening and showing genuine interest in other people. That's a big takeaway. Listening. Because listening is such a valuable skill. And I think a lot of people, especially comedians, aren't good listeners because we have so much to say and we're so observational and criticizing and sometimes scathing, but uh, listening is really valuable. And when other people feel listened to, and one, you're just developing a better connection with the other person, and you're making them feel good. Yeah. Um, dude, that book is so interesting to me uh, because of how old it is. It was written in the 30s, right? Yeah, because it's a lot of the stuff I read now. Like, I did read that book, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but it has, it's all anecdotal. That's it's so different than what I read now because it cites no studies. It's this guy essentially hosting a bunch of dinner parties and like noting his observations. Would you say that that's a fair description of that book? And like yeah. what? Yeah. Um, and it's great. And I, I I think that everything, not everything, but like I think the takeaways are still relevant to today. But it's such a different kind of self help book, man. Yeah. I, I so I just looked at your list and um, the what another book I loved. A lot was flow. I thought that that was transformational. Oh, flow is great. I, I mean, it's this whole you can a lot of these books. You don't even have to bother reading it. We'll sum it up in like a sentence or two. Honestly, flow. The whole idea is like find a challenge that matches your skill level, so you're in that optimum state where you feel like you're in that flow state. If you're doing something that a task that's too easy, you're like, oh, it's too easy. You're not challenged enough. If you're doing something that's too hard, you're demotivated. But when you find that middle ground, you're like in the zone. So, for example, a classic one is playing tennis against a, a similarly skilled opponent mm-hmm. will put you in that flow state where yeah. you're like in the zone. You can grasp, you can visualize your success, and you're just going. You're all, all to, uh, well. That's yeah. That sums up flow. Um, but what I, I the main takeaway for me for that book, dude, was I had to choose a career path or something I like to do where I can get rapid feedback. Because what I noticed that, for example, when I was in tech, I would work on these projects that the this cycle between like pushing a product and getting feedback were too long. Whereas in stand-up, it's instant. I, it's instant. If I wrote a joke this morning, I can do it tonight. What does that have to do with flow? That, that's a key component of flow, getting feedback and adapting. Interesting. Yeah. That That's actually, um, I wanna actually, let me rattle off a few real quick because I can just do them fast and then well are we just going to summarize the book though is that like a I don't know <laughs> I, I just like kind of want to okay yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll say how it relates to comedy okay. so that'll help too um flow when you're on stage doing stand-up yeah. I mean a lot of people you, you get that flow state flow state because you kind of have to be in a flow state the, a lot of people say like oh stand-up's better than this better than that like there a lot of times people are talking about that flow state yeah. of being on stage so that flow is a great book just like how you get that state and how to achieve it and like what that feeling is when you're on stage for a lot of people. Um, what you just said that really reminds me of honestly, like this kind of lame, but it reminds me of the lean startup, uh, book, book because so lean startup methodology is what's used in tech for, uh, rapid software development. And it is astoundingly similar to stand up comedy. Yeah. It, yeah it I is, mean, dude. lean startup, it, it was pioneered in tech, but it's used in businesses like ubiquitously. Um, and like the whole idea is that you're delivering a pro, you're empathizing and understanding your customers, hence your audience. For a, a comic, you are uh, creating a product f- to suit their need, a joke. Uh, in this case, <laughs> uh, you are then performing, or sorry, you're delivering the product, you're shipping it to them, like the minimum viable product, yeah. which is the uh, smallest. Uh, easiest to produce version of this product that maintains the essence of what the, the functionality of the product is. So for example, if you're making uh, a dating app like Tinder, the, the MVP might be something that like very simply matches people together, has like no other features. Well, I don't know, that's the, 
an example. Uh, for a joke, it's a, a joke that you do at an open mic that contains your premise. And then you're getting, uh, you, you deliver it to the customers, you get their feedback, you have a feedback mechanism. And uh, for a product, it's some sort of thing online or like yeah, whether or not they have users. clicks yeah, or yeah. number of users, some analytics. Uh, and for, laugh, for a joke, it's laughs. Yeah. And then you iterate, yeah. you pivot, or you keep going. And and the iteration cycle, like the time between iterations is, is key, right? So like in stand-up, you could do a mic tonight, you could do one tomorrow. And with uh, agile development, you you push these features continuously is the, is the key, yeah. right? Whereas uh, a lot of companies, what they used to do is called the waterfall method. You, you, know, you know the waterfall method is where you would push shit like months, uh, in between times of changing features and stuff, and like the time between getting feedback and iterating on that feedback was way too long. It's like it's like if we could do a sta- if we could only do an open mic once every three months. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. I mean, so that book is great, and it will just, I mean, reading it, you'll just understand that business model better, and uh, hopefully apply it to your comedy. I mean, <laughs> I honestly think like you in the back of your mind. I mean, you shouldn't maybe consciously being like, oh, let me uh, have a development cycle for my comedy. But you should definitely be mindful of why are you doing stand-up at an open mic? Why are you doing an open Why are you going to an open mic and doing a joke that you know works, has killed in the past, and not changing it? Mm -hmm. You're literally wasting your time, in my opinion. I mean, if you want to be getting better, you should be doing a joke that you want to work on. I mean, obviously do jokes that are good at like first maybe just to get the audience on your side but the jokes that you should be focusing on are the ones that you're trying to get better so focus where people are laughing why they're laughing why they're not laughing do they not get the joke are you not communicating the joke in a way that they fully understand it does this audience just not relate to this experience that you're trying to convey is it like a different demographic and just kind of pivot your joke to and com- figure out how to communicate it to this type of audience yeah isolate the problem and then work on it yeah, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people just give up on a joke, but there's so many factors. Yeah, and I think so many factors. a huge thing is how you're communicating it and whether or not the audience can like empathize with your point of view. Mm-hmm. And if they can't, then, I mean, find maybe a different niche audience or just change the joke. Um, the comedians that do really well are able to kill in every room. Yeah. So they're able to convey their unique perspective, not just in front of one type of audience. Uh, for me, just by nature of me doing tons of college shows, like not even legit college show, like college shows that I self-produced for four years at UCLA, I was able to do really well in front of UCLA kids. And then when I'd go out into LA, I'd do the same jokes and people would be like, I don't know what you're saying. you kill in front of like young, smart audiences. I've seen you do a lot of shows and every time I see you do one towards this audience in particular, you kill, bro. I see every time consistently, you kill in front of young, smart people. And then when I get like older people or people of like a different yeah but you also cite such specific things like you cite like in one of your jokes for example a a, the name of a pokemon that is beyond the original 150 which is hilarious to people who can relate it's literally in like like, silver and gold it's like i said typhlosion and stuff that's like not even if you like ever even seen pokemon like if you've played it for more than like i played red then whatever yeah anyway no one we lost everyone we're down to one listener, probably. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... I think this is interesting, man. Yes. And so Lean Startup, Flow, How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, The Power of Now, the book that you mentioned, is really powerful. I mean, a lot of... The, honestly, this the last third of the book is like religious BS, where they start talking yeah, about Christ, yeah, and I, I'm yeah, really not into that. Yeah. But I, I like the... I that's mean, that's the coffee out of the book. But the beginning part of like uh, Eckhart Tolle, his life story and how he was literally this guy who had like a breakdown yeah. and then he, he stood, he sat on a, the same bench, bench for like two years or something yeah. and like rebuilt his life. He, I mean, it's basically the whole point of it is to think about mindfulness and yeah. presence he, and being present and in the moment and let going this anxiety of contemplating here's, constantly. Here's my, here's my problem with this though. Cause everybody, it's so how can you, confirm this that uh like mindfulness is really in vogue right now right people love talking about it people love advocating it is it is weirdly popular yeah i think i think way more people talk about it than make like it's for me personally just being conscious of wanting to be mindful does not make me better at being mindful so what i do 
because I meditate every day and I go to meditation retreats, silent meditation retreats where for 10 days I do not speak and I meditate for 10 hours a day. That's and impressive. I do this multiple times a year. And only by doing these things will I actually be able to back up my desire to be more mindful. It's not by like talking about it. A lot of people talk about it, dude. A lot of people talk about it. Yeah, I know it's BS. You can't talk about it. You have to do it. You have to meditate every day. I have meditated almost every day for um, since sophomore year of college. Yeah, man, I, and I, it cha- actually changed my life. Um, I, I haven't meditated this week, which is really bad. Um, but I'm not going to judge myself, as <laughs> a, the mindfulness mindfuls say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but well, let, let's talk about why it's important and maybe how it's impactful for comedy. So people aren't lost. I find that on stage, uh, if I can. What is being mindful first? Let's define being mindful. Before people are like, what are you talking about? Uh, Yeah, it is hard to define something. like this. I I can define it. Okay, go. Um, Being mindful is being completely present where you are. Like you're in the moment in a way, you know how usually you're going through your life and you have a, a bunch of thoughts. Yep. About what you have to do next, what you have to do, like you just looked at your watch, <laughs> which is the opposite a, of being mindful. I have an appointment. Um, like everyone, it constantly has the voice in their head that's basically running them. It's like their CEO yeah. in their mind, telling yeah. them what they have to do. Like, remember, you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, you remember that weird interaction you had earlier, like when someone yeah. like said something weird to you, like yeah. what they mean by this. Remember and, in like, seventh grade when Sarah fucking like well, tried to steal probably your gel less, pens. less common, but you might have that thought Dude, or, I still have recurring thoughts or just like, like in Seattle for example someone might be like hey that person tried to talk to me that was weird I don't I don't like how people tried to talk to me yeah well, and then like, in LA someone will be like huh that person didn't respond to me that's weird how that person didn't yeah. respond to me but like the little voice that's running your life the little CEO uh being mindful is turning that off and like when you're out in the world doing things you're doing what you're doing right then and there and that's it yeah. you know what you have to do in the back of your mind but when you're talking to someone, you're listening to what they have to say, yeah. you're engaged, you're not thinking about something else, yeah. and you're present. Yeah, the biggest the biggest impact, the biggest uh, component of comedy that this this has impacted is crowd work for me. So when I'm doing crowd work. Yes, yeah, uh, for sure. Being, you have to be so fucking present. All your utilities have to be dedicated towards uh, being present with whoever you're interacting with. Because sometimes when you're doing it, uh, you'll think, oh, like this is risky. Like, what? If, how am I going to respond to? This? Literally, uh, ter- you have to get that. I hate that I said literally, but get that out of your uh, get that out of your head and just be there and responding. And um, it helps you improvise. Yeah. Oh, dude. Improv- because you're here's the main benefit of being mindful. It makes you a better listener. Yeah. So you're actively responding to the moment. You're yeah. not preparing or concocting the next thing you're going to say. You're genuinely listening to people. Yeah. Which will help you all around in your yeah. life because what's that? The charisma myth. I saw that book on your list. Yeah, right? that was their three tenets. They all book, all these right? books relate. Like yeah. see, look how they relate to yeah. each other. But the, power the of now t- is like listening. Yeah, and then charisma myth is what, being the, charismatic and yeah. listening is one of the three one pillars. Of the three ten- yeah, and, it's and, power, well, it's, warmth, and, and presence. And presence. Bro. Yeah, and presence. And what they even advocate in this book to gain charisma, the number, the first thing they advocate is what to meditate and be a better listener to become more charismatic they just say hey sit silently for 10 minutes how crazy is that dude that's cool yeah uh it was olivia fox cabane the author she's so cool yeah that was a great book i mean that that book also changed me so but anyway uh mindfulness will uh, being present ideally help your listening skills improve your relationships improve your stage presence improve your ability to improvise it's it's a hundred percent probably the most valuable thing you can do out of anything I've said in this episode. And it's honestly changed my life because it made me, it makes me less anxious too, Plus, for sure. Uh, girls will think you're cool because you meditate. Sure. <laughs> um, and then yeah, charisma myth, huge. Yeah, Cause I mean, and that's maybe not necessarily for everyone. It's for people that just like me and you, we have yeah. this like weird desire to be, appear charismatic. Yeah, dude. But because uh, we're not, there are people who are naturals with charisma. I think they grew up like that, but we're definitely learned. <laughs> like I am. Is, yeah, I'm learned because yeah. I'm not. Na- I'm natural. It's easy to be charismatic with your friends. And what does it mean to be charismatic 
uh, is the definition I'm thinking of is someone who is magnetic. Like they'll walk in a room and they're just extremely well liked and yeah, sociable and the, yeah hey, introduce me introduce yeah me. like that <laughs> just like <laughs> a head turning kind human being uh whose benevolence and has this presence that's just like great. a kind king it's it is it's just like <laughs> it's like a kind king um but it's like this weird uh hard to grasp concept of being yeah dude it, it's char- charismatic man and it's great yeah. So. Well, that's this. What this book does is it makes it way less nebulous. It like actually like actionable activities. Yeah, it breaks down why somebody is charismatic. Why somebody has an energy that like pulls you in. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to be friends with that person. I love people like that. Dude. The three tenets are being like we said, present, uh, having some form of power. Yeah, like a, yeah, at least exuding yeah. power in a way, and yeah. uh, being warm and kind and helpful. Yeah. And it's not limited to extroverts. A lot of people that can benefit art. You can be, definitely be charismatic and introverted. So a lot of people listening might be introverted and be like this. I don't like identify with that. That's a, an outgoing person. I'm not like that. Um, they definitely have some activities and things for introverted people that are, dude, can qu- be very quiet charismatic. Confidence is hella in right now, dude. Quiet confidence. I feel like that's sexier than like boisterous confidence now. Yeah. Quietly confident. Guy. I feel like you're talking about everything in terms of sex appeal. That's fine. That's, I think that's, how, that's how I think of most things, to be honest. I'm hella primitive in that way. Um, but yeah, that relates to comedy too. What? Charismatic. Being so. Oh. No. <laughs> you feel like sex. Oh, I'm trying to tie it back. <laughs> but um, it's really cool. Uh, so yeah, those are just a couple of books I've read. Um, I don't know. Awaken the Giant Within. That was the Tony Robbins book. That was the first one I ever read, and it just like. Oh, here's one. Here's something I we disagree on though. Though I don't like Tony Robbins. I Why? think I think he, I well you got dude, you got really mad just I told you this before dude remember when we had watches I think this is my general rule for people listening to motivational people before they become motivational people by profession they have to have accomplished something in a disparate domain yeah. for me to give that person any credence so that's that's and that's fine if they they don't. I just don't. Tony Robbins helped people. He what was, do you mean? but he only ever did that. He wasn't like. He's really good at helping people. But that was his first thing. Tim Ferriss, for example, he like became this like world class tango dancer I, I see what and you're went saying. to an Ivy League, and then he did this. He had this like separate thing that he could use to show that look, I've been here before. All Tony Robbins has ever done is be good. I actually at don't agree with what you're saying. That's, that's, that's so, fine. That's fine. Um. Tim Ferriss, for those of you guys who don't know, he's like this tech entrepreneur guy who went to Princeton and uh, <clears throat> he created this product that like did pretty well. Uh, he basically advocates for this idea known as like the four hour work week where that's his like famous book where you can figure out how to allocate your time in as little, little as possible to work that you don't want to do. So you could focus on the things that you want to do with your life. And he did a lot of cool stuff like, he, he created a side business and factored himself out that made a lot of money and he would travel the world with just by covering his expenses and do these really things he's passionate about. So, and then he wrote a book about it. So that's really cool. He actually did that. Um, but for, and that's why he teaches, which makes sense. Cause that's we what both he did. Like Tony Rob- or we um, both like Tim Ferriss. But, uh, Tony Robbins, I mean, it's a different thing because what he does is he, his whole life he was giving people advice and like he basically the equivalent of like a therapist to people. He yeah. would, he would help people like work through their issues. He's extremely empathetic and kind. Um, he's also a towering fit. He, he exudes all those charismatic traits cause he's like a towering figure. And his voice he's really is want, so he's really deep kind and, resonant, and, uh, empathetic and he's extremely present when you speak yeah. to him or so like you can yeah. see based on Did his, you watch his Netflix documentary. Yeah, but wait, hold on. I still want to, support him and tell you why it was trash bro um i kind of agree <laughs> but it was i don't think it does it justice so it's kind of weird man. it was cringy but um he's always helped people he's always been kind of like a therapist and he's like pe- the people he's helped have truly benefited truly, from I his help so agree. i think that's actionable and all he he what he did is he made a business out of uh, how can he reach as many help as many people as possible? So how can he reach as many people as possible and help them? 
So that's like kind of his products. And he's a very genuinely kind person that cares about people. Yeah. So, I'm not denying any I mean, what are you saying? Uh, only like what I, what I just said, the, for me to really buy into somebody as a motivational figure, just have this, this one criteria. Is he built that, this million dollar business helping people. Yeah. All I'm saying is that before you do that, build an app or like, why? that's dude. It's, Wait, just why? My, it's just, it's just how I think about it. I kind of see what you're saying. Cause like, I don't think someone should just be like, I want to be a motivational speaker. Yeah. Cause what the hell are you going to talk about? You have to have something to back it up. Do you see, but he actually has, dude, we literally know he's people very well read in and, comedy who are just like, I want to be a motivational speaker. And they have $3,500 in their bank. Like back that, it up. Like, yeah, just, just back it up. Like, I see what you're saying. I mean, I totally agree with that. But I think that, uh, I mean, the way that he actually like changed the course of his life and yeah. helps people like yeah. is kind of he does back. He's it inspiring. Up. He's he definitely in, backed oh, it dude, up. I think for sure he's he's uber uberly successful and <laughs> uberly uh, he's he's very successful and I like his stuff. I just find that he is uh, his product kind of summarizes all this kind of stuff. It's intuitive. Uh, and it's good to be reminded of these things, but I, the books I read now and the people I listen to cite recent studies and, uh, and provide really concrete action items. That's cool. I mean, I read that anyway, I read that awaken the giant within book when I was like 16 and I think it definitely changed my life. Oh, it's great. And it changed how I like view the world and how I interact with people and how I deal with my own emotions and formulate my own beliefs and like a key takeaway from that book that I never really thought about is what are your limiting beliefs and identifying that. Okay. And just by nature of him helping me, I'm supportive. I mean, help yeah. me. It works. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked for me. It doesn't necessarily work for another person. But and to be fair, I haven't read his books. I just like watched a video of him one time and it was like, I don't really but like I'm this I'm not guy. your guru video, like, or that whole thing on Netflix. Uh, I mean, I have mixed opinions on it. I think. I mean, we don't have to, Whatever. I don't want to go too Tom much into the weeds. I know. Whatever. It's it's weird. He's yeah. he's out there. Yeah. But um. Anyway, the key takeaway from that is a lot of people have limiting beliefs where it's just like these beliefs about things that you develop over the course of your life that you don't really question. Of, yeah. uh, am I able to do this thing? It's like kind of like a confidence thing. Like for me, for example, I'm not. I don't have a lot of confidence with my ability to sing or dance. I'm really unconfident about that. Even still, I mean, more I'm like opening up to like wanting to sing and stuff for some Hell reason. Hell yeah, dude, me too, dude. I started taking singing lessons for the first time at 26 years old right now. That's Four cool. Four months ago, dude, and I'm terrible, and I'll be terrible. Have the, After my lesson, this 12-year-old kill, kid will walk in and just crush. And then I'll, really? And dude, I went to a singing recital where I was like a grown man <laughs> really? performing in front of like little kids and their parents, and the kids are killing it, and I'm just eating dick, bro. But I want wow. to do it, dude. I want to. That's cool. That's bold. Yeah. But um. Anyway, yeah. We we develop these um just beliefs that you can't do something, and like I would always get made fun of if I tried to dance and so and I just I'm like oh, I can't I just can't do that. Yeah. But that literally prevents you from ever trying. Yeah. Like think about how inhibiting that is at an early age for someone to think, oh, I'm not good at math. I can't do Same math. Thing. I don't like to do yeah. math. I I know so many people like that that at an early age were really scarred from wanting to do math and they, they just every time they would sit down and try to do it it wasn't that they're fundamentally un, incapable of doing it they just had this mental block of feeling helpless and feeling like this is something I can't achieve and I don't want to do this well it's like that Carol Dweck book right growth mindset versus fixed mindset what's the name of that book I don't know but I know it, this yeah, I know growth mindset talk. is yeah and um, it's funny too because we when people say that thing about math where like they're like i just don't get it. we know that it's not like an innate thing we we've experienced like the process of learning to be good at math is just time yet we can't apply that same rationale for ourselves when it comes to like the arts like what like for for me i'm like yeah i just can't sing or dance that's interesting I, like probably more tech oriented people are yeah. probably more like averse to singing dancing and stuff like that whereas more so artistic people are more Averse to doing math. Yeah, we're being and, hypocrites, though, because I will tell these same people who say they can't do math. I'll be like, you just really you just haven't tried that much. Like, because I I know what it's like to not be good at math, but to just really persevere through it. And 
become better. Well, I mean, now that's why once you identify what your limiting beliefs are, you can really tackle those head on and be like, <clears throat> are these true beliefs that I hold? Like, what are my beliefs? And maybe I should take a, a look at them and say, are these inhibiting the quality of my life? These beliefs I have. So I don't know, looking at that just helped me a lot earlier on because I just had be negative beliefs about myself and my ability to just like, for, I don't know, stupid, like to talk to girls <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and, fine. and stuff like that. Uh, just like stuff about myself. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm not like good looking. I'm not this. And I'm like, what? I can just like challenge those beliefs. And it's very hard. But um, that book helped me with that a lot. And I think it helps for comedy too, for sure. Yeah, because your, any assumptions or limiting beliefs you have about what you can do on stage or like, like your ability is not like pushing the envelope, like weird stuff. But um, like some, a lot of standups are like, oh, I can't do improv or I can't do sketch. Yeah. And improvisers are like, oh, I can't do stand up. Yeah. It's too scary. And it's just maybe think about, maybe that's a limiting belief that you have that's not necessarily true. Yeah. You probably most could do it. You probably true. can do it. You most definitely can do it. And it's, yeah, it's just this thing for some reason that you've cultivated in your head. I, I, I have limiting beliefs for a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, now I'm taking singing lessons and I start hip hop level really? one dance next Thursday. Seven. Really? Every week next Thursday, starting next Thursday, seven in Greenwood. Dance. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I'm about to fucking be able to do that thing where my body moves like a like a wave. That's so funny. My brother's <laughs> such a good dancer. I can't dance. Dude, uh, I, I, I should go in, dance. I gotta go in two minutes. I should dance. Dude. <laughs> I mean, like you. I mean, I. Oh, you have dude, to go in two I minutes. I feel hella envy towards people, like the amount of social currency you gain by knowing how to dance in a context where dancing is the appropriate thing to do. It's crazy, bro. You could like, I'll be in like a club, and nothing that i've worked to accomplish matters and all that matters is how my hips move dude and that's crazy to me so that's why i'm like i want i want that also i want more social currency here it's funny it's a little thing but it's definitely valid and it's good to have the, just the confidence doing that yeah so it's very um beautiful i hope this was uh beneficial to people i know we just kind of rambled on about self-help and motivational psychology and didn't even go into too much detail uh i'm not sure what you usually talk about but i figure that's just what we like that's something we have in common so. yeah the i'm gonna definitely do a short episode of just about business relating to comedy uh because i actually think it will help a lot of people yeah i agree uh cool well thanks man thanks for doing it yeah of course man hey guys thanks so much for tuning into working comic podcast there's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A. Rose, one word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.